Welcome to the Springs in the Desert podcast. We're so happy that you're here with us. We're those friends that you can take with you wherever you are on the path of infertility. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Springs in the Desert podcast. So glad that you're joining us today. Uh, I'm Allie. I'm here with Cassandra. Hey, Cassandra. Hi. And we're delighted to have Sydney Blackburn back with us. She's a contributor for our ministry, and she's written some awesome blog posts. And I think you've been on the podcast what, maybe twice before? Once, twice, somewhere in there? Once or twice. I don't remember how now. Once or twice. And she's fresh off hope in a season of infertility in Allentown, PA. Yeah. Woo. Awesome. So shout out to anybody who's listening who was there with Sydney and Anne for that. Um, so as we're recording this, it's getting into the cooler months. And um, we've kind of had it on our mind for a while to talk about the way that infertility is depicted in movies and TV, um, because it's just something that we can relate to. We like to talk about like, hey, they did this really well on this TV show or that movie or whatever. Um, but we wanted to have a formal conversation in case you, the listener, might want an idea for a nice movie or TV show to watch now that the weather is getting cooler and you might be inside more. So we thought Let's just go ahead and record this. And um, this is not going to be exhaustive by any means. There's probably going to be many more TV shows and movies that you might know about know about that um, show infertility or some aspect of infertility or loss. So let's make this interactive. Uh, we'll, when we post this, post this on social media, go ahead and leave a comment and tell us what your favorite movies are. Um, so that we can get a conversation going. But today, the three of us just thought we would talk about what our favorites are, or maybe some that are <laughs> sort of on that list. We, we like things about them. Um, one thing that we noticed when we were preparing for this is that um, there are a lot of movies and TV shows that deal with infertility, but that, tip, that can go down the route of like artificial reproductive technologies. And so as Catholics, as our ministry of Springs in the Desert, we advocate for what the church teaches regarding those technologies. So there are often like moments where in a we're watching a movie or a TV show and we can't relate because the character is pursuing some, you know, non-church approved uh, procedure. And so it's like, oh, man, <laughs> this would be so great if they didn't have that. But um, but. We also find that there are moments even in these where it's like we can relate to some aspect of their grief or perhaps like their marital difficulty or whatever it is. So we may mention some of those on this episode, but we're definitely not advocating wholesale for like any TV show or movie that may depict things that like go against church teaching. So we just wanted to say that from the get go, um, because it's like so much of what we do, like it's very common to see um people out there who are pursuing these technologies. And we often find ourselves as Catholics kind of in this strange place where we're trying to deal with our grief and go through infertility, but we can't necessarily relate to everybody else who's in that same boat. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, just when we were chatting before this, and I feel like the majority of the movies and TV shows we were talking about, it was like, there's some positives. Um, ones that we feel like pretty wholly positive about, but then there's others just, and it's like, well, yeah, like they got this right, but like, ugh, like we cannot obviously like recommend or like relate, but it just kind of shows just this message that we get from our culture. Like one, 
one of the things we were going to talk about was This Is Us. So spoiler alert, if you haven't finished it yet, the show is done. So maybe. <laughs> but this character, Kate, who has an abortion, then later in life she has a miscarriage. And Sydney, just in a second, I know we were talking about how they dealt with the the grief and the husband's grief. So that part was a positive. But then they get like this miracle IVF baby. And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, I can't relate to this. But Sydney, because you are so prepared with this, can you talk a little bit about how they dealt with the husband's grief on that? Because I know that was really good. Yeah. So I don't, I'm going to pull up the exact quote that I have here because I thought it was really lovely because obviously the way men and women handle this grief is very different and they experience a miscarriage. And as I remember it, Kate is really belittling his feelings because it didn't happen to him. And he says, and this is a direct quote, as far as I know, what is not fair for you to do is to tell me that I wasn't a part of this. It didn't happen to my body. I get that. I have no idea what that must be like for you, but it happened to me too. And I thought that was just a really, um, like really speaking to that grief that our husbands are also going through, even if it is completely foreign to how we think they should be behaving because it's not how we are behaving, but we didn't marry ourselves. So um, I just thought they handled that really beautifully to push that, that it's two people that are experiencing infertility and not just the woman who's maybe going through all of the treatments like Kate is. Yeah, that's awesome. And so rare, like to see that. I mean, yeah, so few people talk about that, especially in movies and TV, I think. Um, In fact, I think I could probably name a few where it's just the woman, like it's a single woman going through some sort of treatment. So to see that marriage kind of like, like you said, both sides of the grief and the marriage is, that's awesome. Um, So Sydney, earlier when we were talking, you said that you feel like these movies and TV shows kind of go in a couple categories can you tell us again what you what you said yeah my opinion that I have seen is that there are two main categories that any topics of infertility fall under there's the IVF surrogacy all of the stuff that as Catholics we know we don't agree with and then there's the other side that they're going through infertility and but adoption will fix the day at the end so it's okay and that to me, those are the two overarching themes that I just don't agree with, and I can't relate to mm-hmm. that. Um, and then there are the random. There's like the good. There's good pieces, and there's even good pieces in those films. But those are a lot of the um, the themes that I think we see, and even just films solely about a couple. Um, like all it is about is them with infertility and like taking everything else out of their personalities and their relationship. I, w- I would think that might even be like a subcategory too that happens instead of like about them. And then this is something that they're going through. It makes that their identifier, which it is not. I don't know if you agree with that yeah. immediately. I do. I think that th- that's why I tend to be more drawn to movies that like infertility is not the main plot where it just comes up sort of like on the side and it could even be that I'm watching a movie or something and I'm not expecting to, to see this. Um, I tend to be drawn more to those for whatever reason, but 
I think I also tend to look for like older movies because I think that I have this idea that like I'll avoid the artificial reproductive technologies if I find like a movie that was made before they existed. (laughs) But those movies can also fall into that second category often where it's like, oh, you have the adoption and then sometimes even like the miracle baby, biological baby. The miracle baby. That's the one I was going to bring up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So it's like a rare film that touches on it in like an authentic way where you're not pushed into one of those two categories. Um, But Cassandra, you had an example of one in the first category, I think, where they go into the technologies, but there's some aspects of it that are done really well. Was that what we were talking about? This is us. Um, The other ones I was thinking of um, that I guess would fall into that is the the TV show Parenthood, which I watched a long time ago. And just when I revisited a couple episodes, I was like, I'm not recommending this show. That's for sure. But I did think that they got some things right. Um, And they did show like the awkwardness of like the doctor's appointments and, and everything. But I just thought the way, and this was a case of secondary infertility. I thought the way they showed her grief was spot on. Like the husband went for, you know, testing and I guess it's supposed to be funny. And it's like to us as Catholics, like, no, it's not funny. You know, so it's like, again, that's something we can't relate to. But when she finds out that it's her that's, quote, the problem, how she is just so distraught and apologizing to her husband. And then when she tells her sister and her sister's like, no, no, like, and I don't know. It's just and this woman, this character in the show is like this kind of powerful lawyer like power woman everything else in life is great but if you can't have this one thing you know sometimes we get that way that it's like nothing else counts you know if I can't have this one thing so I thought that the grief and the guilt um was pretty like raw you know and and well done Mm -hmm. so I thought I thought that was good. But the one thing I wanted to bring up to what um, Cindy was talking about before, back when we were talking about This Is Us and like The Husband's Grief, a a show that I thought did well, although I'm not sure this was really how things went down in like the 19th century, was the Netflix show about soccer, the English game. And so there's this couple in the show that they experience a miscarriage and through most of the miniseries, it's them and... And their grief. And it's actually pretty interesting because at one point the husband like memorializes their baby's life with this kind of forest. Like he plants like a bunch of trees and shows it to his wife. And that's really nice. And spoiler alert. I mean, the show ends and it's a happy ending because now she's pregnant. And then it's like, okay. Oh, you know, but I thought that was really nice. Although, again, I'm not convinced that 19th century England that there was a lot of memorial forest planting, but I think it's a nice idea. And, you know, there are ways that people memorialize um, their babies that they haven't gotten the chance to meet yet. And so yeah. I thought that was lovely. That's really beautiful. And, you know, it's it does what I think all the best films do. Like it gives us that space to like feel our own feelings and because we're seeing it in depicted mm-hmm. in somebody else's life but then it also can kind of like spur on this creativity like you said like that's a really nice thing to do like 
I don't know, it just can make us think about how we can process our grief or maybe um, do something similarly creative or, um, you know, that brings us together with our spouse. So that's what I wrote. That's I think what the best that these films and TV shows give us is ideas like that or thoughts like that. And I think it's hard sometimes too, because look, the pregnancy that is so long for is a happy ending. It's just kind of frustrating sometimes when it's used as like a, a trope and it's like, Oh, everything's fine now, you know, and just, you know, for people, in, you know, my situation where there's not going to be a miracle baby and it's like, well, I'm not going to be a miracle. And it's like, well, you know, and then it is, it is happy, obviously, but I, we're going to talk too about some where they're like, isn't a miracle baby, mm-hmm. but the life is still, you know, live to the full. Yeah. I, I kind of want to jump to one of them now because we're talking about it. The help. I think is a great depiction of that because again, it, it's not, first of all, it's not solely focused on these people just trying to have the child um, to the exclusion of all else, but it also balances that. Um, like it's such an accurate depiction of a miscarriage for Celia, the one character. And it really shows her turmoil of trying to fit in. And you're not even a hundred percent sure the whole, the whole way through of um, like why she wants to fit in. You, but you see her trying to like wanting to interact with these other women and then you just see her being on the outskirts and and just not not sure how to how to be a part of society and then even with the miscarriage that she's taking it all on herself that it's my fault like how my husband like what's he going to say to me what's he going to think of me because this is her fault and like I know people have had those emotions. I know that those have gone through. So just that very realistic portrayal of what that, of what these emotions that go through our heads are. Yes. And when, I think it's when, um, I can't remember the name of the the woman that she hires who first shows up. Okay. When she shows up at her house (laughs) and she asks her, like, she's, she's got this big house that I guess they inherited maybe, or I can't remember the the story, but Mm -hmm. It's got like five or six bedrooms and the woman asks her like, well, when are you going to have some kids to like fill these bedrooms? And her response is like, I'm pregnant now. And like, I don't know when she says that, I think this is, you can just see that like hope and that like the awkwardness of that question and, you know, and the big house, it's like all, so much of that is relatable. And then, you know, like you said, she ends up miscarrying that child and just like, Oh, just the grief and the longing in that moment is like very relatable to me, even though I haven't been in that exact situation, obviously. Yeah. And that issue of the room, like the guest room, like I, even my husband and I bought a house over the summer. And when we got the the guest room set up, all of a sudden, you know, and it's not all the time, but all of a sudden I like felt weird about the guest room, you know, and it's like, is there ever going to be anyone in there? So it's interesting to hear that that it came up in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good one. And then we were saying too, it's a really good depiction of like the way the two women care for each other and look out for each other of kind of that, that way of being maternal that's, you know, not limited to children. I think mm-hmm. you agree with that, Sydney, is what you're saying. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, because you see Minnie caring for her, caring for Celia, who had the miscarriage mm-hmm. and mothering to her in that way. But then Celia later is caring for Minnie, who's in the midst of like an abusive relationship and Celia is really carrying her through that and it's just so well done because again it's not just merely focused on 
the fact that Celia is struggling to have a pregnancy because she's so much more than that. And she has so much more to offer, even though all her rooms are empty yes. and mm. she doesn't know how to cook. And when he does, like, it's just really beautiful that it brings it full circle, that that's her. Like, there's so much more to her, which is beautiful. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, we're going to have to watch that again, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. So I guess we'll go to, I'll jump to one. Um, there is, well, there's a few movies I mentioned, the older movies that I was just going to mention in passing where it's like the couple or in some cases the woman, like I watched this when I was young, Baby Boom. It's like Diane Keaton. She's like this powerhouse, like woman who like has this amazing career, single, not an infertility movie, but she gets this baby from a distant relative. And all of a sudden her whole life is like upended and like she moves to the country, like raises this baby, meets this like doctor. Anyways, there's something about that though. And then Raising Arizona where um, <laughs> well, like it's a 1980s movie where the couple, they do actually show infertility and there's some, there's some scenes in it where like they're getting the testing and everything. And like, it's, it's overly dramatic, but it's kind of funny. And so if you're looking for like a, a laugh that's uh, you may not be ready for it but if you're in just a place where you just want to kind of laugh it may be something but anyway but they get this baby by stealing this toddler which is totally ridiculous and like not you know relatable at all but there's something about these movies where like the baby just kind of shows up unexpectedly yeah (laughs) where your heart just kind of like at my heart at least um like longs for that even though I know it's like really unlikely and it I don't know there's something about that that um I don't know what I'm trying to say exactly that it just it speaks to that grief, I guess. And to see it depicted in these different ways um, helps me to kind of understand that grief maybe a little bit better. So yeah, just mentioning those, they're not great, but they're, they're, they make you laugh a little bit. <laughs> no, I get that. And it's like, well, maybe one day the nuns will call us. <laughs> what nuns? I don't know, but the nuns, they'll call us and there'll be somebody who needs them. I mean, maybe. Uh, weird yeah. things have happened, but no, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Strikes me as almost like a lottery mindset. Yeah. You know, like those kinds of like, like when you were saying that it reminded me of a movie, uh, Life As We Know It, which like, again, these people just end up with a baby for all these different circumstances and just kind of like, when does that actually, like, yeah. that doesn't actually does not happen. happen. Can't, you know, but. Yeah. And I mean, that speaks to, we, we all name some movies that touch on adoption, like the reality of adoption. And I'm sure anyone who is adopted would come on here and say that like, these are very, very, very much not realistic. So we could probably do a whole nother episode on like uh, adoption movies and maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll ask Kimberly if she's interested in coming on and talking about some of those. Another, well, another movie that kind of has like a lot of good, some good parts I'll say, but a lot of like, Oh no, like where are we going with this? Uh what to expect when you're expecting. Mm-hmm. And first of all, the whole premise is all these different people either having kids through pregnancy, all different ways. So just keep that in mind if you're not ready to watch something like that. But there are some depictions that are very accurate that like the um I think it's JLo's character that she um you see her with like having to feel the like the questions of like don't let your window close and you see her like it's my fault I'm the one with the bad eggs you know I'm the one like we we've spent all of our money on IVF which again can't relate to that part but um and even though that they're her specific 
character's story does end in their miracle adoption, I thought the way that they seemed to come to it, I thought was really beautiful. And it always moves me to tears when she's handed her baby and she's like, you know, I've been waiting for you. And uh, it's just, that part is just like really beautiful. And there's, there's also just depictions too that I, again, see as a little bit more accurate of just like one character just trying like everything, everything, everything under the sun, you know, because like hyper focused on it, which, you know, at different seasons of my life, I can relate to that. You know, I don't mm-hmm. relate to them them saying as soon as they stop trying, oh, boom, they have the miracle pregnancy. Again, kind of that trope that is just not accurate. Yeah. But there are right. pieces of it that pieces that are relatable. Yes, for sure. Um, speaking of tears, I want to mention the one that we all kind of, I think. <laughs> Best in show. <laughs> I'm sure everybody probably who's listening has seen at least the the beginning montage of Up where you see the the story. I don't even remember the first time I watched this. I think it was before I was even married um, with like my nephews probably. And I had no idea what was coming. <laughs> but they show that montage of the elderly man who has just lost his wife and now he's going back and remembering like growing up with her basically and then marrying and having these dreams of children and uh, of course then they're like painting the nursery and then there's the next scene in the doctor's office and it's like bad news which I guess I was reading online that most people say that's probably a miscarriage but to me it's like I can relate to it because like that nursery it's like those are the dreams and then the next moment is like the doctor you know that whatever doctor moment we've all had where it's like a diagnosis or it's just things are going to be difficult or maybe it is a miscarriage like I think the whole thing is so relatable um, but then cutting to the scenes where, you know, they're they're dealing with that and uh, and they're kind of transitioning to this life where there is just the two of them and it's really beautiful and mm-hmm. they love each other. And I mean, this is all in the span of like, what, two or three minutes and it's like animated. And <laughs> <laughs> like, I can consistently cry at that. Like, it doesn't matter how many times I've seen it or what. Uh, but anyway, she passes away and he's kind of faced with these dreams that they had together that didn't materialize and like what to do with that. Um, So yeah, if you want to cry, then I would recommend just put in YouTube up opening montage. Sometimes we need to laugh. Sometimes we need to cry. (laughs) It's so beautiful though, because it depicts like the two, the strength of them as a couple. Again, even though it's animated and very brief, like the fact that they went through all of this and then they really love each other and like we're happy together. I find that just so um, just so encouraging mm-hmm. and, and beautiful and poignant. I'd even say in I absolutely love, love that movie <laughs> top to bottom. And that sequence is like, how can you fit so much in two minutes? <laughs> but I think it's even really beautiful, like towards like with the whole rest of the movie that um I don't, Mr. Fredrickson, I think is his name, that like he goes on and he's never a father. He's never a grandfather, but he still gets to live out this fatherly calling in another way towards the little boy that shows up on his porch. And he gets to continue to live other dreams that isn't that what we're all doing, like living out fruitfulness and maternity in ways that we didn't expect. Mm -hmm. And I just thought like, and even though, like, it took him till how old is he? Like, probably in his 70s. Like, 
who knows when these events are gonna how long we're going to wait to really feel that maternity or you know paternity but like that doesn't make it any less real when it does show up doesn't make it any more any less poignant you know just Mm -hmm. that's a great one (laughs) yeah and it reminds me of the other best in show julie and julia (laughs) oh yeah we all love this one too and again, it's not like the main plot. It's about her, right? And well, it's actually about her and then this couple that's this woman who's learning from her cookbook. So mm-hmm. it's like two stories in one who they don't have children either, although that's not really talked about or mentioned as um, like any in any specific way. But but Ju- but and I don't know how true this is, but Julia Child and her husband did not have children. And I guess it is pretty much understood that it, they couldn't. Um, but there's that scene where she gets the letter from her sister, right? And her, she learns her sister who gotten married recently is pregnant. And she just like, she's like saying, I'm so happy for her, but she breaks down in tears. And just the way her husband, Paul, like comes over to her and just like holds her. Like he just understands, you know what I mean? Like he's just like providing that, like that like comfort and strength for her that she needs in that moment. It just, I just, it's too real. I mean, I'm sure we've all been there. You know, it makes us feel bad that like we get the happy news and our first reaction. I mean, my first reaction a lot of times, especially if I'm in like the safety and privacy of my own home is to cry, (laughs) you know, and it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the other person. And it does. It is hard sometimes when it's like this is Julia's sister or whatever. At least in the movie, and you know what makes it more complicated is that I feel like we feel these things more the closer the people are to us, the more we love them. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of contradictory, you know. And we can't always explain why that is. Yeah, and they did such a good job of like the relationship between Paul and Julia. Um, Like, because there's another scene where like the baby carriage goes by. Mm, And I might even like that one even more because he doesn't say anything to her. She doesn't say anything to him, but he immediately knows that her heart is hurting. And I think he kind of just like reaches over and like squeezes her hand, if I'm remembering correctly. And that scene almost touches me even more because I know that my husband has like, immediately known that you know i i'm not in a position to cry because i'm not in the privacy of my home and he's like like i still got you i know like oh like that scene just whew. Mm-hmm. that one was powerful mm-hmm. and and also the way that they they show us and again i don't know how accurate any of this is but it seems like in the movie like they really have a beautiful marriage and they they have fun like they, although they have these moments where like the grief is shown and maybe it was more, I'm sure it was more than that, those little moments in their life. But like, you get this sense that they're like on this adventure together and they like the way that they just connect with each other and like enjoy the fact that they're like on this European, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, where, where he's being positioned in, in Paris and that they're like kind of embracing that together Um I don't know. There's just something about that. That's so like life giving to me to, to see that. And they're like supporting each other also like in each other's work. Like uh, he's very supportive of her when she, which I relate to so much that scene where she's 
they're having like one of their first dinners in Paris and it's like this amazing meal. And he, and she's like, what am I going to do here? Basically like in Meryl Streep, she's just such a good actress. Mm. She's like, what am I going to do <laughs> with my time? And cause he's got this job and here she is in Paris and she's, she tries all these different hobbies, right? She tries like hat making and like, I forget what else, but, and she's like, well, I really like to eat. So I guess I'll learn how to <laughs> And, you know, there is that sense of like, well, now, okay, if I don't have children, like, what am I going to, what's my time going to be filled by? And how do I kind of like integrate this experience with like the rest of my life? And I don't know, just the way she was able to do that um, while keep, while her husband was a part of it and their marriage was like strong. Um, I just, I love that. I, I think it's very hopeful, even though I'm not trying to like canonize Julia Child or anything like that. Obviously it's just a movie, but, but it gives us a little window into, um, you know, how other people have navigated some of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, she specifically has had such an impact on the home life of so many others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So as we're wrapping up here, what else did we forget? Any like quick hitters that either of you wanted to mention is um, worth digging into or? I have a couple more, but let's see. I can't fully endorse them so i'll give that blanket statement again but um friends of course chandler and monica go through and i i like parts of it again because i always why you know why do i like that show at all is because of the relationships and i chandler and monica's relationship through it even if i don't agree with all the end end results like that you know that they're also there for each other and I think that's like the end result of any positive emotion I ever have toward any depiction of infertility is when it's a relationship most of the time is what like, that's why I love Julie and Julia so much, you know, that's like up because you see the relationship and how they're able to, um, there's so much more strength when you have your husband or, you know, later on when Mr. Fredrickson has the little boy that he's, Live, like living for and fulfilling these dreams so again and I can't fully endorse friends and everything that they do but I just like that one always comes to mind as like a, a positive in the relationship of as they're dealing with all of the messiness that is infertility yeah. and going through that yeah definitely it seems like yeah the message is like as we always say in this ministry like turn toward your spouse and like turn toward other people like in the case of up you know I mean He's still living for other people. He's finding new ways of being fruitful. So I guess in a nutshell, that's what all of these, all of these show us is like, feel our feelings, like whatever the grief is that you're in, like feel it fully and grieve it. And then, yeah, turn to your spouse and turn to other people and remember that you can still be fruitful. And um, there's countless opportunities for that, um, that God will provide that in your life. So I think that's the message for today. with these movies, but we definitely want you guys that are listening, chime in, um, leave us a message or post on Instagram or Facebook and let us know what your favorite movies are or TV shows that show infertility or some aspect of it. And um, it's been awesome being with you today, both of you. This has been really fun and we'll just look forward to the next episode. In the meantime, God bless you all. Remember that he loves you and so do we. Thank you so much for joining us for this Springs in the Desert podcast episode. 
If you have a minute, please rate and review us so that we can reach more listeners. Check out our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram, and go to our website, springsinthedesert.org, where you can sign up for our newsletter and hear about more things that we have going on. Most importantly, remember that God loves you so much, and so do we. 